Hi and welcome back to another recording of Tap Talks HR. Today I've got a returning visitor. I am delighted to be speaking with Sean Harrington, the co-founder and editorial director of The People Space. Welcome back, Sean, to your second Tap Talks HR podcast. Hello, Anthony. Well, last time we spoke about the eight areas of HR skills and behavioural skills, etc. And that went down pretty well with the, with the listeners and everything. And, and I know you had another area that you're really focused in at the moment. And that's talking around the world of the HR, CHRO and actually an organisation's culture. And I know you've been doing some bits and pieces around this. So do you want to just give us an overview of, of why you think that's, that's key at the moment? Yeah, so um, I think organisation culture has been back in, in the uh, media in a big way. Um, and unfortunately for all the wrong reasons. Uh, how often have we had toxic culture? The reason that something's going wrong in an organisation is the toxic culture. And you can look at some of the, uh, the big international issues like the hashtag Me Too movement. Um, there's the issues around, uh, you know, uh, sort of sexual discrimination and, and uh, diversity issues at some of the big companies. I mean, Uber's had some problems there. Um, this is international. This isn't just a, a UK thing, you know, and I think that's really uh, telling that it's such a, a big issue everywhere. And so it's no surprise then to see that um, culture's rising up the, uh, the boardroom agenda. And recently we had, we were lucky at one of our um, People Space uh, Leaders Academy dinners, where we have some of our members, to have Professor Patrick Wright from the Darla Moore School of Business at the University of South Carolina. And he revealed um, some early findings before the, the report was published of his annual CHRO survey. And in the survey, they ask about numerous issues about the changing role of the, the chief HR officer. Um, and this year, culture was one of the the big areas that came out. So, you know, I think there's a lot of focus on it at the moment within the business as a whole. Yeah, and I, I think you're, you're right. And I, I think we, we talked about a few brand names there and mm. whether the the gravity of the issue within the culture is, is we don't particularly know, do we? Because we, we're not in those organisations. The impact it has for the employee value proposition and the marketing of an organisation is where I think it's, it's probably quite massive and it's building up because actually, mm -hmm. if, if as you're right and you're saying, there's a big movement at the moment around equality in various different ways or forms inside of organisations. And actually, um, if an organisation is seen as not being respectful of its employees in any way or form, then actually it has a larger adverse impact than probably it used to do 10 yeah. or 20 years ago. And I, I can understand just from a layman's point of view why culture's rising up kind of thing. So. I, and I think that um, it's having a financial impact now. Um, and that's, that's the, the, the big issue and that's why boards are particularly suddenly rising up to, uh, to thinking this is something we need to have an understanding of. Uh, whereas perhaps a culture wasn't something that the, the board members so much, the executive team yes, but the board members perhaps, it wasn't on a, on a, a sort of a board meeting agenda. Um, and, and definitely, you know, we have seen that, um, that, that financial impact, not just from um, you know, the, the shareholders in the city, but that there's actually a move to more governance-related, um, you know, I guess stakeholders like shareholders are beginning to challenge businesses, I think, for the first time, 
really publicly. So we've had way more um, investors, you know, saying, should that CEO be earning that much money? Are they showing the behaviours that are going to be sustainable and keep the market, you know, the customer happy in the marketplace fine? So I do think it's definitely um, become much more of a focus there, which you know, as soon as it becomes about money, suddenly it's yeah. <laughs> everyone's <laughs> interested. And of course, talking about money, we've also had in the UK for the last couple of years the Equal Pay um, publications mm. and everything, and, and that's actually generated a lot of discussion whether it's actually made much movement within inside the reducing the gap who can tell at this early stage but actually I think the discussion is very much you don't want to be it's one of those things you don't want to be the bottom of the list kind of attitude from a board of directors and a yeah. CEO saying at this moment in time let's be mid-pack I don't want to be the one called out yes kind yes of thing, yeah so. yeah I think there's that toxic culture versus positive culture mm. is now what people are realizing in terms of reputation really matters um, and did your speaker go into any particular other areas of, of culture yeah well what was really interesting was that um, they basically ask the the CHRO, the CEO and the board sort of independently for for their view on, on culture and then you can see whether they are completely united <laughs> in, in why they think it's important or not and, and uh, what came top in all three was that um, the, the impact of culture is um, engaging and retaining talent. So even board level was putting culture as a tool you know, to retain and engage talent was the number one, number one um, sort of purpose of it. Mm. And I, I think that's fascinating. Straight away, there you've got something that is CHRO and HR's role being put up right at the top here of the agenda. Um, so huge opportunity there. Uh, but then, then what came across was um, a slight nuance then where uh, the board then went into the risk mitigation. So for them, the second most important sort of reason to worry about culture is, is that risk mitigation. That's what we've just been referring mm. to with the, you know, the impact on your, literally on the price or on your reputation. Uh, whereas interestingly, that actually came out of five, that came fifth for the CEO. <laughs> Okay. Um, which, uh, which is, you know, not what you would necessarily think. And you could actually say the other way around, you would have thought the board level, the risk would have been the number one. Mm. The fact they're putting engaging and retaining talent just above risk as, as the most important thing is, is fascinating, I think. You, I don't think you'd have had that. It's interesting, in past, isn't it? Because you, you could look at engaging and retaining talent as as a risk in itself That's because and, but what is you're, you're just calling out a type of risk mm. so where I can imagine the risk they're thinking about risk in the media the risk of not having the right person and especially when you talk about critical skill sets mm. if you're an, an app based um, uh, kind of company on the internet technology based and mm. developers are scarce what you don't want is to lose your developers because then your business can like just stop because yes. you don't have that key yeah. skill talent kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. that's it. it's really that, interesting. That actually. is interesting. I think that the definition of risk is a, is a bit tighter than that, but you're absolutely mm. right that probably people risk is, is one of the most, if not the most important yeah. risk to the uh, sustainability mm. um, of, of the business. Um, I mean, interestingly, uh, you know, the, the CEO and CHRO um, actually thought that uh, organisation brand uh, you know, was was one of the top areas um, and put that higher. 
so than the risk part of it so I think you know that goes again back to the idea of um, it, that's a that's a customer and an employee and we're all stakeholders really mm. but you know from an employee perspective it's that that it ties in with that talent and re- retain engaging and retaining staff and um, and obviously from a customer perspective well we know how quickly things spread now um, mm. and the very fact that so many of these uh, people who are unhappy with things that are going on have started hashtags and how quickly the hashtag, you know, I think that really shows that on social media something spreads so quickly now and gets real resonance, I mean, to the, to the fact that it does impact the organisation. And, and with the rise of things like um, Glassdoor as well, or something like that, that can have a mm. growing impact on, on that kind of uh, reputation of the organisation. Absolutely, mm. you know, so, so yeah, so culture's become, um, you know, one of the core areas, I think, for, for the CHRO, um, and, uh, you know, there, there's certain roles that, um, that that they can play here in helping, so I think we have to be very careful about, sort of, say, it's HR's role to do culture, I mean, we, we often hear that, um, and of course, it's not HR's role to create culture, I mean, Culture can only come, first of all, from the behaviours at the top. <laughs> and how often have we heard people talking about their culture and then seen totally different behaviours um, from the people at the, uh, at the top? So. And that's interesting because as, mm. as an organisation, we look at engagement and the employee experience. And I would say probably 50% of the engagement we do with our customers is around leadership. Because mm. actually it's the leadership and their interaction with the employee that generates the positive or negative connotations of behaviour and culture, etc. Um, so actually, you can you can start talking about the wider landscape of engagement, yeah. but very quickly you end up talking about the artefacts, maybe the the the, the, the well-being policies, etc. But right in the middle, it's that interaction of, of supervisor and follower, line manager and employee that actually is the one that's going to make it or break it kind yeah. of thing. When that goes directly back to the board and the CEO and not the CHRO, as you're mm. saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I do think, you know, it's a hard one to talk about because we do tend to give it this homogenised thing, culture. Mm. And, and culture doesn't just happen. It, it builds over a long time, doesn't it? It's, I sometimes laugh when I see people, um, and, and, you know, awards are very bad at this year, but you have your... And I've been equally as much to blame as anyone else in this but you have your your culture award and it's as if it's a thing that sort of you put in place and there it's now we're done and dusted and we get a tick thank you very much and you know it it has to be lived every day and um, we need everyone to to show those behaviors so you know I think it's we one does have to be careful about talking about culture as if it's just one thing that you can affect um, as an HR director but there's no doubt about it, the HR has a role of being the, the person who talks about it at that top level, mm. makes sure it's always top of mind, and helps to um, to sort of work with the CEO to, to co-architect really what the sort of culture that you want to, to have is. You're not going to get it straight away, but you know, you, you know the type of um, purpose you're going to have, you know the type of business you want to have, um, and how that can sort of translate to everyday actions so uh, there's a there's a role there um, and then there's all the processes and, and systems that HR is involved in they have to align to that culture so a classic is is reward so often 
you know you have a, a culture that's about fairness and um, you know equality and all these great things and then the reward system is based on some form of measurement that you know enables people who have you know are not um, a certain type perhaps or have always been you know sales is the classic you know rewarding sales on a target that you're not ensuring the right behaviors have got to that mm. target but they, they're getting rewarded on the target regardless so you know i think there's a lot that hr has in terms of how does that then translate into the actual systems and processes and that's interesting isn't it because you're you're creating behaviors through reward and actually what you're actually doing is you're creating motivation towards certain behaviors because of that extrinsic reward that yeah. that physical thing to you and actually all the evidence or most of the evidence says that intrinsic motivation is the way to get a very healthy culture mm -hmm. a very healthy uh, mental well-being inside of an organization if people want to do things for themselves because you've related their inner values with your organization you've created motivation that they want mm -hmm. to just do a great job kind yeah. of thing that's much better than, than putting this extrinsic monetary value reward onto you to try and get something because if human behavior is so much more delicate than, than actually like <laughs> here's a paycheck kind of thing so yeah, yeah. so i think that's that's quite interesting um mm. the, the sense that reward is that the be all and end all of, of moving culture and mm, i would say mm. probably in the modern workplace I think financial reward is becoming less of a go-to, mm. probably for if you want to move your culture. Yeah, I would uh, absolutely mm. agree with that. Um, it can be a bit of a barrier, I think, mm. to, to some extent. So um, you know, uh, yeah, we've all we've all been there, haven't we? <laughs> yes, totally, totally. So, is there anything mm. else coming from the report? It um, it sounds like a fascinating mm. dinner. Obviously, mm. there, obviously. Um, mm. So was there any kind of like key takeaways or anything? Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, from the CHRO perspective, there's there, there's definitely a couple of things we've said. So making sure it's on the radar and, and that it's being talked about properly at, um, at the highest level um, and um, sort of working with the CEO on that. Um, uh, but making sure that it is actually real in, in the organisation, not just words. It's mm -hmm. like, like those vision statements that you see oh, everywhere and yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's why, you know, you can't just impose a culture, mm. you know, because it, it's not going to work if it's, it's to, so it has to be, it has to be lived and it has to be, um, it has to be real. Um, and then I think really key, and this ties back in a bit to, um, to one of the, uh, sort of attributes we think of the future fit HR leader, mm -hmm. which is sort of the ethics and sort of moral compass in a way, but is that you've got to actually call people out when they don't live that that value in that culture. And you cannot, you know, be saying we're a, you know, our culture is this and we, we're, uh, you know, won't allow for bullying or whatever it may be. And then you, the people you're seeing rising up the, up the chain the quickest mm -hmm. are those that are known behind the scenes to be showing that sort of behavior or whatever. So you've got to be prepared to call it out and to, you know, remove the people, even if they might be your, even if it might be your top salespeople or very good in something else, you know, you, you've got to be prepared to live and do this, the right thing. And that's quite difficult in some roles where, you know, you're just focused on that short term 
uh, I'm using finance, but there might be other delivery of projects, there might be other KPIs. Um, but at the end of the day, the minute you don't live that value and what, what you're saying your culture is, is the minute it all falls down and nobody has any trust anymore. And that's that's really interesting, isn't it? That last mm. word. I was just going to start going, and then you said the word trust, and mm. uh, I think uh, this is the basis for any healthy organisation, organised culture. Uh, I'm thinking about oh, my mind just went into Lencioni's um, trust model. We had trust. The absence of trust is the building block yeah. of actually a successful organisation and motivation within a team. And I think you're right. I think whenever when I was in years ago in the world of being a store manager in retail and um, you talked about health and safety saying if you walk past a health and safety issue you're as culpable as the person who did it and I think when it comes to calling out this kind of stuff I think Mm -hmm. if we walk past something that's an ethical issue and we don't deal with it we're as culpable as the person who's doing it and I think Mm -hmm. it's that consistency that actually creates trust with your employees that is the great starting point to creating a healthy culture which we can then bring in everything else kind of thing so yeah totally agree so yeah so I like the way we managed to bring in one of your eight attributes because obviously we went through it last time yeah. and actually it shows where it lives in real applied stuff mm. and everything and so and probably I was thinking that also the sense maker one mm. is quite an important one as well because you, you kind of alluded in it is mm. culture top down or bottom up mm. Mm. and actually it's I suppose the answer is both it is both I think um, because mm. actually people bring their own personalities and behaviours to work and the summation of that is is mainly your culture yes but actually that narrative that you can that you can help guide people towards a purpose Mm-mm. will then actually give you an opportunity for people to go on a journey with you to yeah. take a culture very slowly, incrementally, yeah. in the direction you want to go. Yeah, so. and that's that's you know that where if you're a good storyteller, that mm. sort of you know you can really help to bring it to life with a story. I, I think one of the things that a lot of people tend to do um, with their stories and their narrative and their culture is they do a lot of going backwards. So you know, we've, and there's some good stuff there, like when it was founded, the the, the passion of the person who founded the business, da 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 da. But actually, what you really want is culture is a living thing now and mm. moving, and you want to be able to not just say it's all about the past in a way, and we started it back there. It's actually more about this is where we're going, and you know how it how it fits into the future. And I think that's where you say making it real by bringing mm. your values and your vision and your mission statement to life. Yeah. You can always look to the past, but actually saying where we're going to be and what we aspire to be always yes. helps. Yeah, and there's nothing better than a story to get people behind behind that sort of change. <laughs> Fantastic. Stories. Mm. It's just like doing podcasts. We say little <laughs> stories each week. Um, and I have to say, like, it's a great subject around culture. And thank you for bringing that that example mm. of what you were doing uh, in your dinner uh, with, mm. your, with your leadership group and everything and I think it really brought to life a few aspects there so thank you very much um thanks for joining us Sean it's been great having you again lovely to come back yeah maybe a third time in the future (laughs) who knows well everyone thanks for listening to this and hopefully some of this stuff around culture and the role of the senior HR leader within this actually resonates with you um you can find out more about this and also the blogs and the the, uh, forums that we do at our website so please do go along to tapsolutions.com to find out more and I will speak to you soon with another guest on Tap Talks HR. Thank you.